Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, friends. Kendra here. I just want to give you a brief note that I did not realize that one of the books that I chose today, My Darkest Prayer, was actually its sponsor for this episode. So I did choose it um, and then discovered later that it was a sponsor. So just as a heads up, enthusiasm is very much real, but I want to let you all know. All right, that's it. On with the show. Welcome to Red or Dead, a bi-weekly podcast where we talk about the world of mysteries and thrillers. This is episode 142, and we are recording on Monday, December 12th. I'm Katie McLean Horner, along with Kendra Winchester, and we are coming to you from Book Riot. Hi, Kendra. How are you doing on this Monday evening? Doing pretty well. I have my trusty companion, Dylan, with me today. He is sleeping, so I'm sure if he has opinions, he will let everyone know. But we're doing pretty well. The library is coming together after the move, so <laughs> that's really nice. <laughs> yeah, if that, that's always the first sign that you, are, that you are making a new place your own. You get your library set up. Right, right. And we have a, a sunroom in this house, so I just, of course, needed, oh, I'll just install bookshelves in the sunroom too. Why not? <laughs> so Every possible available space gets dedicated to bookshelves. I mean, in our... We live in an, in an apartment, and it's not a very big apartment, but we, we make heavy use of the vertical space, and we've got so many, like, six and a half, seven foot, or even taller bookshelves in our living room, in the office where I do all the podcast recording. My husband has his bookshelves. We've got just wall shelves for all my Stephen King books. We've got... <laughs> So many bookshelves, so many, and yep, it's if there's an empty space, it's one way or another, it's going to be filled with books at some point. It's very true, especially when you both, you know, like when you, when your partner has a love of books as well. Like I haven't even started unpacking his books yet. Like I don't know where they're going to go right now, but <laughs> you know, and I love decorating a bunch of like book art that I decorate with, and the invisible shelves are in my living room, and oh yeah. So yeah, they're everywhere. I, I, mom calculated like that I have over a thousand books that's supposed to be like a library. So now I just call it Library Winchester. And oh, that's amazing. We have little quirky librarians. <laughs> How well do they reshelve? Are they, are they good with their Dewey <laughs> Decimal system? Well, Dylan is very good at organizing and has excellent taste in books. Gwenlian um, hasn't learned to read yet. So we're still working on that but dylan has good taste he, he gets through his he has zero tbr i don't know how he does it it's amazing 
<laughs> yeah, but no, Gilbert Gilbert is my little reading buddy and even though I, the the pandemic really killed a lot of my ability to sit and read the way, you know, I used to pre-pandemic and I I feel like I'm slowly building that back up, but if I settle in on the couch with a blanket and a book, he he curls up with me. And so he's my he's my little literary buddy. He doesn't really care what I'm reading as long as I'm sitting still for an extended period of time. Dini probably he's he's too busy to read. He's <laughs> he's very busy, many important kitty things to do. And he'll he'll probably stop to smell it. He might supervise if we're, you know, I I am gonna have to weed through my books at some point, probably pretty soon, because my bookshelves are getting full again. <laughs> and so he'll probably supervise that, but he he doesn't strike me as as a reader. <laughs> too many projects to manage, too many things to chew on. You know, it's that uh, he he and Gwen would get along very very well. <laughs> but I'm I'm excited today as we chat because we have all sorts of great things. This is one of my favorite shows of the year. So so much to talk about. Yes. What? Well, first before we jump into all of that, what have you been reading recently? Well, I have just finished a mystery novel. So this is not a mystery thriller recommendation, but I. I'm reading They're Going to Love You by Meg Howery, which is like, I mean, there is a mystery and that something happened in this relationship of this woman, Carlisle, and her dad and her dad's husband. Something happened, we don't know. And that's kind of like the, we follow along her journey as a character, as a person through uh, her life and through like the past, her growing up in the 80s and 90s and all of this stuff. So I would definitely recommend this book. So it's a, it's an excellent book. Uh, Liberty actually recommended it, and so I picked it up because of her, and it's so good. It's not again not a mystery thriller, but still great book. I'm loving it. Yeah, I um actually well, I started reading a book thinking I might talk about it for this episode, and I didn't get a chance to finish it, but I am very much enjoying it. And mine definitely falls on the horror end of the thriller spectrum, and that's uh, Hidden Pictures by Jason Rakulik. And this was a book that one of my coworkers recommended to me. She and I bonded very quickly when I first started working there over our love of dark and scary novels. And she has read she'll she she picks up a fair number of like new releases and stuff. And this one she recommended to me. She was just like, oh my gosh, it is so good. And yeah, it's about a young girl, well, young girl. She's like in her early 20s. And she takes a job as a summer nanny for this affluent family. And she really loves their five-year-old son that she's looking after. He's really sweet. He's engaging. He's smart. He's creative. And he draws these pictures and of this like really skinny woman with really long dark hair and like no eyes and a face and he's like oh yeah that's my that's my friend Anya she she always comes to my room at night and hides under my bed and I'm like no no this book is full of all sorts of nope like this is a book like that starts off like ever not it's not cliche but they throw stuff at you and I'm just like oh no 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 get out of that house absolutely not and as he talks about his friend, he start, he's drawing more pictures, and then he's drawing pictures that are much more disturbing, like this 
stick woman with the long dark hair being dragged into the forest by a man. And then the baby, the the nanny's like, uh, what do I do with this? And I'm like, you put some sage in those corners and you get out of the house is what you do. So I have, I have been listening to it on audio. It's really good on audio. And I have just been trying to refrain from like yelling at the narrator while I'm driving in my car. Like, what are you doing? That's a terrible idea. But yeah, it's, it's a really entertaining book so far. I'm probably about halfway through it. I have to renew my, um, my audiobook checkout through Libby. It was taken away from me and I have to get it back again. But yeah, it's, it's definitely very entertaining. And I'm glad to have a little bit of escapist thrilling stuff. Yeah, that sounds really creepy. Like, a, I mean, it sounds like a great movie almost as well. Mm-hmm. Very much so. I'd made my spouse watch The Ring recently, and he just was like, oh, my word, I can't do it. And that reminds me of, like, you know, the girl with the long hair. And Had anyway. he never seen The Ring? He hadn't. No, no. <gasps> my precious, precious spouse. Uh, he's not a big horror fan, so he hasn't seen no. a lot of them. So I've been taking him through. So we watched The Shining, you know, and we watched, uh, we watched Signs and, uh, and, uh, oh my word, I see dead people. What is that one? Sixth Sense. Thank you. Oh my stars. I was like blanking. Anyway, so if anyone has recommendations of horror movies that my spouse should watch, feel free to email us. So <laughs> I'll give you some after we stop recording. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, with that, before we jump into the main part of our episode, a couple of quick notes. If you are looking to give a last minute gift to anyone in your life, make sure to consider uh, giving them a TBR gift subscription that's tailored book recommendations where you will connect your special someone with one of our professional book nerds or bibliologists and the bibliologist will pick out a series of books that they think your your special someone would really like there are options for just about every budget and you can visit mytbr.co slash gift to give the gift of books and that's mytbr.co slash gift And let's go ahead and hear from our first sponsor. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right. If you are a longtime listener, welcome back. We are so happy to have you with us again. If you're a new listener, welcome to the to the fabulous Red or Dead community. You've picked a great episode to tune into. Like we said at the beginning of the show, we talk about mysteries and suspense and just about anything that falls under that umbrella. In whatever flavor of mystery you're in the mood for, whether it's cozy or supernatural or super, super dark or funny, historical, anything along those lines, it's fair game for us to talk about. 
If you have listened to the show before, you know that this is the point in the episode where we put out a call to our listeners to let us know if you have any ideas for upcoming episodes, because as we've mentioned so many times before, your ideas have really helped us plan out a lot of previous episodes. It's a great way for us to know what you, the listeners, would like to hear more of. It's a great way for us to expand our own reading horizons, just a win-win situation all around. So if you have any ideas or suggestions, you can shoot us an email or reach out to us via social media. We're going to have all of our contact information at the end of the show and in the show notes. And we always put out the call ahead of time to get those juices flowing. So don't worry about getting the information down now. We just want to get everyone thinking at the beginning. And even if you don't have an idea and you just want to say hi, that is also perfectly acceptable. We love hearing from our listeners. And if you enjoy this podcast, definitely leave us a review over at Apple Podcasts so that other people can find us. With that, let's go ahead and real quickly jump into our news segment, which is the main item is that the Goodreads Choice Award winners were very recently announced. And well, I have to ask Kendra, did you vote in the Goodreads Choice Awards this year? I did. I did vote in the Goodreads Choice Awards, but I didn't vote in the Mysterious Thriller category because none of my favorites were on the list um, that I had read to specify. So yeah, I don't know. I feel like I had to sit this one out this year. Yeah, I the last couple of years I haven't voted specifically because I haven't read a ton of new releases. And so I'm like, I'm, you know, I'm just kind of like, oh, let me just see what other people pick. That being said, I feel like I'm a little, this may be a little bit of a, well, if you can, if you don't vote, you can't complain. But I have to say, I mean, there were a lot of very popular picks for mystery and thriller. And the winner for the mystery and thriller category was The Maid by Nita Prose, which no surprise there, that book was, was huge this year. I mean, it came out almost a year ago and it's been, you know, it still has just been everywhere. But yeah, overall, the overall selections for mystery and thriller were... I mean, they hit on a lot of popular titles, but it was a very, very whitewashed selection. It was. I, I feel like that's a problem that the Goodreads Choice Awards runs into a lot, since it is a bit of a popularity contest, as it were. So, yeah, I was a bit disappointed, and especially in this category, because it was just, you know... I feel like it's the usual contenders every year, like the very popular mystery authors that have a book that come out every year. And not that those books aren't necessarily good or anything, but we see them all the time and it's just kind of predictable as well. Yeah. And I know we, I mean, we we talk about books for, by all different authors and, you know, we we really make an effort to highlight a lot of those authors that may not otherwise get the same attention as some of the, some of these other authors. And so the fact that we talk about all of these books by these authors, and then, you know, we see a list that that's, you know, that's very homogenous. And I'm like, no, there's so much more out there. Like this, it is it is not that difficult to to find other options. And yeah, it's it was a little it was a little disappointing. So I'm not you know, I'm not, I don't feel terrible that I didn't vote in this category. And not every category for the Goodreads Choice Awards, like some of the, some of the, 
the contending titles, it was it was a really broad selection. And, you know, a lot of them, like I think you mentioned poetry, debut novels, the general fiction category were all were all pretty, pretty solid choices. But yeah, I was I was underwhelmed by by mystery and thriller this year, which which is a shame. Well, at least we have a lot of great picks to talk about today that are really great. Uh, at least, you know, a silver lining. There was other things that we could talk about um, and kind of highlight some, you know, underappreciated books this year because yes. I wish more, I would definitely want more people to pick up these books. Yes, our, our own uh, best of 2022, yes. which is what this episode's theme is, if you didn't pick up on that yet. <laughs> on the title of the episode. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. So let's let's jump into our own best of 2022, which, again, for me was I, – I read more this year than I did last year. But, again, my my reading capacity has, is much lower than I'm used to. And so I, I felt like – I felt bad because there were so many books that I wanted to read this year and didn't. And so for, so for me, I'm like, I can't call this necessarily my best of 2022 because I don't, my selection pool was not, was not big enough. But, you know, these were some of the books that I really enjoyed reading this year. And I feel, I feel like you probably had, you probably had a bigger selection of books to, to choose from. But like, how did you kind of decide what you wanted to talk about generally? Uh, well, I went a more like my favorite of the year because I read a lot of mystery and thrillers that I just thought were okay. And that was really, I think for me, like most of the mood for mystery and thrillers this year. So these ones that I'm mentioning today really stand out. And I wanted to try to get to two, actually three different genres within mystery and thrillers as well. So, but yeah, I... I feel like the ones that stand out really stood out. And then the rest was just kind of, oh, that was interesting. That was a fun read. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm -hmm. I enjoyed that. But these are really the standout ones for me. Yeah. And I got it. At the end of the, you know, towards the end of the year, I started going through and like finding all of the books that I'm like, oh, I wish I had gotten to these. And so, yeah, I ended up, because um, I know we're going to talk about, I think we each picked two books that came out this year and one backlist title. And I was able to pick a backlist title and a book that came out this year that I had already read. And, you know, I was, a I was able to pick that. And I was like, you know what, I want to read a new book to talk about. I want I want to even if it's just taking one book off of my off of my list, one that I'm pretty sure that I'm really going to like. So it's a different method to, to select to narrow down my my list. But yeah, these I'm 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 just like you know what these were books that I really enjoyed reading this year for you know whatever whatever the whatever the case may be I just I just got a lot of enjoyment out of these books and I know for for me because I I've struggled for a while with you know with being able to stick with a book and for with my attention not being able to you know to to focus like sometimes I'm like you know what I'm gonna pick the books that were really fun for me. And the ones that I was able to get through and really enjoy, despite all of the the ongoing, you know, pandemic stresses and work stresses and everything that's competing with my attention level. But, well, why don't I was gonna say, why don't you kick us off? Because your first pick was one that I had on my list as a contender as well. So I think this is the perfect book to to kick us off. Yes. So this book is definitely like, 
I love that it's on both of our favorites um, lists because this is Shudder by Ramona Emerson. And it is about Rita, who is Dene uh, or Navajo. And she is a photographer working with the Albuquerque Police Department. And she takes photographs. But one of the things that makes her really good at her job is that she can talk to the dead. And I am a sucker for a I can talk to the dead scenario. I mean, that is like catnip for me. So I really love that about this book. And I think it might be a first in a series, or at least I hope it is. Um, But this one gives you background on Rita's life and like how she came to find herself seeing dead people. And she was raised by her grandmother on the Navajo Nation. And there's just something great about this book combining the elements of like a police procedural but also we learn so much about Rita and her life and her culture and like how that connects to her being able to see dead people because I mean that's I mean that's kind of a big deal right so loved it yeah I really liked this book because it had you know it had the intensity of that police procedural that thriller element like the forensic element like the first chapter she's taking pictures at uh, the scene of a car accident and it's described pretty graphically like even I was reading this going ooh that's kind of <laughs> gross that's um, a sign <laughs> yeah but it really has it, it has those elements to it, but the backstory of her life growing up and her, you know, as she realizes that she has this ability, like there's a lot of there, there's a big emotional element to the story as well, and so it's not it's not just a thriller. It's got it's really has has this emotional punch to it, and I think I found that you know a fair number of the books that I read this year that I really enjoyed. I had that kind of as a theme running through it where the thriller element was, I don't want to say balanced, but it incorporated this this other element as well, this very strong human emotional connection as well. And I think Ramona Emerson just did a really fantastic job with this. And I'm, and I'm 99% sure this was her debut novel, right? I believe so. I believe it was her debut. I'm not 100% sure, but it it was a nominee for the National Book Award for Fiction, so it made their long list. So we are not the only ones who, who love it. Like it's been so well received and I'm I'm very excited for her um whether it's debut or an early novel. I mean, still awesome. So uh and I I really really hope it's the first in a series. I'm just crossing my fingers. Yeah, no, it was it was for sure really good. And I'm I'm glad that we both had that that shared like, oh good. We both picked the same book. <laughs> yeah, I really love the audio as well. So would recommend and I'll put the info for that also in the show notes. And yeah, just an excellent, excellent book. And it's also from an indie press, Soho, uh press Soho Crime, which is their crime imprint. So you can also support an indie press as well. Perfect for your holiday gift giving. And that is Shedder by Ramona Emerson. So my first pick is a book that I talked about way towards the beginning of this year. This was, I remember this was one of my most anticipated books of 2022, and I actually read it in a timely fashion. And yeah, so I think that that alone is one a reason for me to put it on this list. But the book is Cherish Farah by Bethany C. Morrow. And this was a book that I devoured in like 
two sittings. It's one of those books where you kind of have to clear your schedule because it's just you're just going to keep turning the pages. And yeah, I really loved it. It's a psychological thriller. And the two main characters, there's Farah, who is one of two black girls in her country club community. And she is the only one of the two with black parents. Her best friend Cherish is also black, but she was adopted into a white, wealthy family. And Cherish has just been given what Farah refers to as a white girl spoiled type of life. Her family, uh, Cherish's family is very affluent. They adore her. They, you know, they will move heaven and earth to make sure that things work out for Cherish. And with that, Farah is not, Farah is a very interesting example of a, not an unreliable narrator, but like, an unlikable character or a a character with a, a very flawed character. And so Farah is very calculating and she is trying to manipulate her life situation so that she can kind of become part of Cherish's life. Her family her family is relocating to a new house, a new neighborhood and Farah is able to kind of pull some strings and get her family to agree to let her live with Cherish's adoptive family. And so at first she thinks this is this is great. This is all happening according to plan. And so she's really trying to worm her way into that into their, you know, into their life into that bubble. But then strange things start happening and Farah start, you know, they're Farah, all of a sudden, she's becoming ill, and she's she finds a mysterious journal that kind of seems to keep track of everything that's happening to Farah. And so at first, she's like, okay, you know, the, I think I can kind of keep an eye on this. But obviously, this being a psychological thriller, this is, you know, this is hardly the beginning. And yeah, it it just kind of, and it unspools from there. I don't want to give too much more away of the plot, but it's a really interesting take on, you know, we there are so many thrillers that center around white affluent families. And this book takes a lot of those tropes that we're familiar with and doesn't necessarily like turn them on their head, but manipulates them and twists them so that what you're reading just just feels totally new and you're not sure what exactly is going to happen. And just the characters were really interesting. There's a lot of lot of statements being made about class and privilege and racism and all of the all of these elements that you would kind of expect get woven into this story. And it doesn't feel like it it's a very organic part of the story and you just keep turning the pages because you're like something messed up is happening here and i need to find out what that is yeah but i i really liked this book and this was one of the first books that i read at the beginning of the year that i was able to finish and that really that stuck with me and yeah so i thought this was the perfect time to to Refre- to refresh our listeners' minds, if you haven't had a chance to pick this one up, definitely do so. 
I haven't uh, been able to pick it up yet. So I, and I love Bethany Seymour. So I'm very excited for this one. So you're just bumping up my TBR. So (laughs) (laughs) that's always my goal. Yeah, no, it's yeah, really, really good. And yeah, definitely, I, I would say definitely read this if you're, if you are particularly into psychological thrillers, like I am. (laughs) <laughs> uh, but again, that is called Cherish Farah by Bethany C. Morrow. All right. And then uh, before we get to our next pick, let's go ahead and hear from our second sponsor. All right. So my second pick is My Darkest Prayer by S.A. Cosby. And I listened to the audiobook, which is performed by Adam Lazar White. And I will listen to Adam Lazar White read a grocery list or a Ikea you know, instruction manual on how to build a dresser. I don't care. I I love, love, love his performances. And so this book, My Darkest Prayer, is actually S.A. Cosby's debut novel, which until I started listening and heard him read the introduction and explain that this is actually his debut novel and and it's being reissued, I thought Blacktop Wasteland was his first novel, but apparently not. So you learn something new every day. And so he talks about like uh, his thoughts on the novel now that it's being reissued. And he talks about like it being a little rough in places and how it's has all those debut novel type flaws. But actually, that was really good. It might be my favorite of his book so far, just on a story level. Like there are some places, you know, it could even out. But anyway, I digress. I love this book and it starts out in set in the Chesapeake Bay area where my parents used to live while I was in college. So I know the area and I was like, oh my goodness, it's Gloucester. Like I lived in Virginia. Like I know where that is. I was very excited. But this book is about Nathan Waymaker and he is a black man who has resigned from a law enforcement uh, because of things that have happened in his past that will be revealed. And he now works for his cousin's funeral home. So you start out the book at this funeral home and they get the news that a local pastor who's very beloved in the area has passed away, but his congregation isn't exactly sure that he actually died of natural causes. So these women go up to Nathan and be like, you used to be working law enforcement. What if we paid you to look into this for us? So Nathan is like, sure, for that much money, I'll go and talk to like my old boss. Sure, why not? So he does, and he begins to think, wait, those women might have something, like they might be onto something. And that's really what starts the book. Uh, The pastor's daughter shows up into town to deal with his uh, estate, and she is a porn star, a pastor's daughter, which as a pastor's daughter is like, we love a good cliche. Like I I love, I love, love the wild and woolly pastor's kids, just close to my heart. So I really loved her as a character. And, you know, she and, you know, Nathan might have some sparks going. So it's a really great book on a character level and on a mystery level. And there's like organized crime and like all sorts of things that if you gave me a list, I wouldn't say would work in a book like this. But I really, really love it. And S.A. Cosby is such a champion of Southern literature in particular, particularly like Black Southern literature and how um, Black Southern literature is really the heart of the region. And I love the work that he does for fellow authors. And I just, it's so good. It's so, so good, Katie. 
That, see, I, I knew that the book had been reissued, but I wasn't, I hadn't looked into, like, the plot description. I just, I, I knew about it because I was ordering fiction for the library, and I was like, S.A. Cosby, gotta get, get a copy of that. No, that sounds super interesting. I was listening to you talk about it, and as soon as I'm like, okay, a church where there may have been something hinky going on, I was like, okay, that is that is one of those like very niche bells that <laughs> you start ringing that bell, and I'm like, okay, that sounds really interesting. I don't know why that... I don't know. But yeah, no, that I really love the sound of that. And I know I have not read Blacktop Wasteland, but I did read Razorblade Tears. And that book, again, that another one I read this year that have really has that combination of like thriller and gut punch. Yeah, it's, it's a stunning, like it's a stunning book. And I feel like writing about churches and the South is very cliched in a lot of ways. And so I have very, like, I'm very picky, like coming from uh, knowing churches really well and knowing the South and Appalachia, like I am pretty picky because I want that authenticity. It's like a, a gauntlet, you know, like, I don't know, like Indiana Jones going through like the Temple of Doom or whatever. Like, uh, like I want, I have so weird eccentricities about it, but this book is so well written and I cannot describe to you the subtleness that S.A. Cosby puts into this book and faith and how there were genuine faith believers in this book versus really just corrupt people who happen to be in the church and using churches for their own devices. It's, it's stunning. So I cannot believe this is his debut. Everything he writes is amazing. I will pick up anything now. I loved it. There are content warnings for suicide, suicide ideation, um, sexual assault of a child, and just some other things in that vein, um, just as a heads up, because it is a bit descriptive. I feel like, I guess this is the kind of podcast where we have a lot of content warnings, but I just want to give anyone a heads up, especially around kids. So, Yeah, his his books definitely do, do not shy away from, from these darker themes. And uh, they're they're such well written characters, and Adam Lazar White, who performs the audiobook, does such a fantastic job of capturing a a genuine like southern, the correct southern accent in a lot of ways. And um, I was just very impressed overall with it because I wasn't sure what to expect, you know, like with a reissued debut novel, but it's really good. So love S. A. Cosby, and that is his debut novel, My Darkest Prayer, and uh, it's. It's. I just want to know what everyone thinks about it now that I read it. <laughs> I need someone to talk to about it. <laughs> All right. So everyone has homework. They need to read this book and then they need to to follow up with Kendra. Yes. Please do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So what's your next pick? <laughs> so my next pick was a book that I picked up recently. This had been on my list for a while this year, and I picked this up as another fun one that I was like, it was. I went into it thinking like. To pick up a brand new book that you haven't read yet and read it thinking, I'm going to talk about this in my best of 2022. I was pretty sure that I was going to enjoy it, and I really did. But yeah, this this was just a, another really entertaining pick for me this year, and that is Hyde by Kirsten White. And Kirsten White is known initially for her uh, young adult novels, and I believe this is her adult fiction debut. And this is another uh, supernatural thriller and this one was just pure entertainment from beginning to end. I kind of I feel like this book is like a combination of the movie Ready or Not meets Cabin in the Woods meets The Hunger Games 
meets a healthy dose of like, are you afraid of the dark or like goosebumps or something? Cause it's set in an amusement park. And I feel like those shows and those books had a lot of stuff set in amusement parks. But anyway, the premise of this story is there is a, there's a national contest where 14 people are selected to spend a week hiding in this huge labyrinth of an amusement park and don't get caught. And the winner wins, I think it's like $50,000 is, is the winning prize. So every person that is selected for this contest has their own very specific reasons for wanting to win. I mean, besides that, it's, you know, it's a lot of money. And the main character is Mac. And she has a history that makes her extremely well-suited for this type of challenge. There, She's had trauma in, in her past with her family that... that basically her survival hinged on being able to hide. And so now she's going into this, it's like, I can turn my life around if I can win this. And so she starts off in the competition, not wanting to get close to any of the other competitors. She's, you know, she's not here to make friends. She's just here to kind of do her thing and win. But in the lead up to the beginning of the competition, and as the rules are explained, and all of this other weird stuff starts happening, it takes a little bit, but she's like, okay, something odd is going on here. And of course, we, the reader, looking at this are go- is going, this isn't right. Like, there is something, this, there is something odd going on here. And they, the book doesn't, I mean, the, the book uh, kind of intersperses the, the, the present moment chapters with like, they'll intersperse from other perspectives and like other places where you you aren't sure exactly what's going on, but you're like, okay, yeah, there's there's definitely something something else happening here. It's just a it was just a really entertaining book. It's and the other thing too is that it's creepy and it's claustrophobic, but I wouldn't say that this this is probably a book that even if you're like, mm, I don't know if I really do horror, I'm not into super scary stuff, it wasn't super intense where it's like Oh my gosh, no, only this is only for like the hardcore fans. Like it's re- I think it's pretty accessible and I th- and I think this would be a good book to give to people even ones who don't maybe see themselves as huge horror fans. It's I think it, it's on a level to w- to where a lot of people can read it and enjoy it and not worry that they're going to be like, you know, kept up at all hours. But yeah, it I feel like and because Kirsten White has written young adult novels in the past, I feel like there's a there's a lot of crossover. I think there'd be a lot of crossover with a teen audience. It has kind of a similar feel to it. Again, I mentioned the Hunger Games in my comparison. It had that that kind of like large, large scale competition with, you know, other stuff happening in the background. Like there's a lot of these elements that I think show up very frequently in young in young adult novels. But this one I really I really liked. It just kind of blended everything together. Lots of interesting characters. And it's also a short book. Like it's under 250 pages. And yeah, I I this was another one that I was able to read in just a couple of sittings. It, it the pages turn really quickly. It's a satisfying story. I just, I really liked it. And it just felt like, you know, with 
the other books that I've read recently and some of the... I feel like I've been getting a little bit more on a roll with reading, and I'm glad I picked this book because I feel like that just kind of kept that kept that wheel a turning, basically. But okay, so what about what about you, Kendra? Like, have did you get a chance to to pick this one up? Um, I know I'm 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 usually the the host that's always into the supernatural thrillers, so I'm always interested if the other person has had a chance to read it. No, I haven't. I haven't picked it up yet. So I was happy to hear you talk about it. Because I was, you know, you always bump books up my TBR. So I was like, oh, I want to hear why this one's wonderful, too. So, you know, I'm here for the enthusiasm. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, no, and it's got a really, like, it just hit that, it hit that spot. Like, I wasn't necessarily looking for something like super, super intensely scary. It just, it hit that at a nice level. And yeah, just just really just really carried it through. And it's also got an awesome cover. I love the cover of this book. That was the initial premise where I just knew I'm like, okay, abandoned amusement park, and then this cover, I'm like, sold, I got it. <laughs> so this this one was just a, just a really, really fun read for me. And again, that was called Hide by Kirsten White. And those are our books that came out this year that we loved. And of course, like everyone else, we also read books from other years. So we also wanted to feature some backlist books. So these are our like favorites of the ones that that we read this year. So always love a good backlist book. Yeah. And I, I mean, after a while, I kind of lose track of what comes out which year. So like, sometimes I'm like, okay, I know for a fact this came out this year because of X, Y, and Z. And after that, they kind of start to blur together. And I mean, there are some books that I think, you know, are super like, there, there are certain books that I think need to be read in the moment. But you know what? A new book is just a book you've never read before. Yeah. Yeah. I love, I love backlist because I always, you know, you're always missing things and you always want to add things to your list. And always some of my favorite books are backlist because, you know, awesome books are still awesome. <laughs> you know, later. Uh, shall we, shall we jump in to our backlist? Have at it. All right. So this one I, I've talked about recently, which I think was the last episode, episode before that. Um, and that is uh, Seven Fallen Feathers, Racism, Death, and Hard Truths in a Northern City by Tanya Talaga. And this is about a series of deaths uh, that happened. Uh, it was seven teenagers died and they all attended this one school and they're all indigenous to Canada and they came from northern nations and so their parents would send them down to high school in the city and so there was a whole program set up to try to support these students but I think the author who is a journalist really delves into why they really need more support and that is an extended problem of the colonialism that these indigenous communities faced under colonialism from the Canadian government and and uh, she really tracks it back to a residential schools. And there's a particular time where a boy was running away from a residential school. He froze to death. And that really began a snowball effect that eventually led to the closing down of all of the schools. I think the last one closed in, in Canada in 1991, I want to say. But this was in the 60s. So it was a very long time coming. But from when that boy tragically died and like a inquest i believe was called and they gave recommendations of changes to the boarding schools and none of those changes were implemented 
And so we can track the history of these students from the history of these boarding schools. I know in Canada, they have like a Remembrance Day and like Orange Shirt Day and all sorts of things to try to raise awareness. But here in the United States, we really lack that general understanding of how horrific these boarding schools were. In fact, um, after the episode that I previously previously talk about it, there came out an article from Indian Country Today, which I will link in the show notes, where they found um, at the Peabody Museum at Harvard University, they found the hair of hundreds of indigenous children who had their heads shaved when they were forced to go to these schools, um, or they were sent to these schools under, you know, false pretenses or, or whatever it was. And Most indigenous cultures, particularly all the ones that were cited here in the article, hair is sacred. And that was just a horrific thing to do to these children. And so the hair is now being returned, but it's just part of a larger collection where Harvard has the remains of over 7,000 indigenous people. And there's really a kind of like a fight to get them to return the remains to their nations so that they can be laid to rest, which is incredibly important to these nations. So I I think that a book like this, even though it's set in Canada, it's it is important to read even for those of us here in the US and the broader world. It is a example of the horrific things that indigenous peoples face as a result of colonialism. So uh, I think it's a very important book, but also well-written book. I think the author is so good at giving us a broad view of these systemic issues and then zooming in on specific um, indigenous youths who died under different circumstances. And there's such a skill there in the structure and the writing of the book. It's an incredible book. I, w- I would recommend it. Um, to, I don't know anyone really who is, <laughs> I mean, it's such, it's one of those books that you feel should be required reading. Yeah. And I, you know, I remember you talking about this, um, yeah, either last episode or the, or the episode before, but I remember being being struck by the topic and thinking, wow, this sounds really intriguing. And then hearing you talk about it again, I'm like, this really sounds like, yeah, like you said, something that should be required reading. It sounds like a very impactful type of book. And yeah, that one's going on my TBR immediately. And I think it's so important that the the author herself is indigenous and, and she gives like a little introduction about her her nation and where she's from and like how her connection to the story because she does it is you know part of her community where the story comes from and so i thought that was really you know the right person at the right time to tell this story and um, i think it's something that definitely i mean there's so much going on as the united states and canada are doing more and you know they're investigating these schools and the history of them and they're trying to do a broader project of what reconciliation will look like here in America. So that's really something to keep, you know, following along. But yeah, I'll put some links down in the show notes in case anyone's interested in learning more. But yeah, it is an excellent book. I feel like this is the kind of true crime that I would love to see more people look into. And that is Seven Fallen Feathers by Tanya Talaga. All right. Um, so real quickly, my backlist pick is Red Widow by Alma Katsu. And I picked this one because it surprised me so much at how much I really liked it. And 
that's odd for me to say because I really like Alma Katsu's writing, but I don't usually go for espionage thrillers. And this one was just so well-written and grounded in, it didn't, I, I feel like a lot of spy thrillers often feel like, you know, like the, you know, the, the Born Identity or Jason or James Bond or whatever the case may be. It feels very, not detached from reality, but there's, there's so much escapism there that it's becomes, for me, it's hard to get into. This felt very real and very grounded. And I only just now, as in like two minutes ago, I happened to catch a glimpse of just a bit of Alma Katsu's profile, I did not realize that she had a over three decade career as an intelligence analyst. So she worked as an intelligence officer. And I'm like, well, that explains it. She's drawn on over three decades of work to bring that realism to the story. And I'm like, well, gee, that makes sense. Yeah, that I really, really enjoyed this book. It was fantastic on audio. And the very real quickly, the very basic premise is that you have one woman who is in the CIA, and she has been sent home from Russia on in administrative leave. And even though she's on administrative leave from a significant error in judgment while she was abroad, she has been recruited um, by the chief of the Russia Divis- division to assist with an internal investigation. And so she kind of jumps at the chance to clear her name and to reestablish her reputation. Then there's another intelligence agent, a CIA agent, Teresa Warner, and she has she is known as the Red Widow. She is the wife of a former director who was killed in the field under very mysterious circumstances, and she has become a fixture of the Russia division, and she ends up kind of striking up a friendship with Lindsay that the people are kind of surprised about. But as Lindsay continues in her investigation, she realizes that as always there's some there's something much deeper and much more sinister happening behind the scenes. And so that's, again, that's where I'll stop with the plot. But the thing that really struck me was the realism. And I really love a thriller author that can take real, either their own experience or their own research, and incorporate that really seamlessly into the story. Just as a real quick example, like the one of the first authors I was aware of that could do that really well was Michael Crichton. Like his ability to just kind of incorporate all of the these elements of this larger field that he was talking about, whether it was something in science or genetics or mathematics, whatever the case may be, he was able to incorporate that so seamlessly into the story. And I feel like that's what Alma Katsu does here with her experience as an intelligence officer. And it's just, it's so good. If you have read her, like her historical horror, like The Hunger, which was amazing, and you're like, "Mm, I don't know if I want to go down this path, read it. It is such a good book. And I believe she's working on a second espionage thriller, which I am really excited for. I will happily read that as soon as it comes out. Um, So yeah, this, um, this ended up being like my, my surprise pick of the year. And it's one that I will give to anyone who says that they don't, that they don't care for espionage thrillers. I'm like, here, read this. (laughs) All right. So again, that is Red Widow by Alma Katsu.
All right. Well, those are our favorite books of the year. Ah, love it. Love it. Again, one of my favorite shows. Uh, so thanks so much to everyone for listening. Of course, a wonderful thank you to our sound editor, Jen Zink, for always making us sound awesome. For show notes, you can head over to bookriot.com slash listen. Uh, for more book recommendations and bookish goodness, head over to bookriot.com. And don't forget to check out our full stable of podcasts at bookriot.com slash listen, or just search Book Riot on your podcast player of choice. If you'd like to send us an email with feedback or show suggestions, you can reach us at redordead at bookriot.com. Otherwise, you can find me, Kendra, on Twitter and Instagram at kdwinchester and Katie on Twitter at kt underscore library lady. Of course, those will be linked in the show notes. And we will talk to you all next time. Bye. Bye.